So, hello and welcome everyone to this very special episode of the Trend Detection Podcast. As you can see, we're in our studio again, and the reason for that is we've invited one of our partners from Arrow Electronics, Andy Smith, and we're going to talk about how technology is shaping manufacturing today, so a really exciting topic. So I'd like to welcome Andy, and maybe first of all, it'd be great for you to introduce Arrow and introduce yourself as well and what your role, role is at Arrow as well. All right, thank you, Noel. Um, pleasure to be here. What a great little studio you've built. Um, yeah, so Andy Smith, I've uh, been with Arrow 15 years or so. Arrow Electronics is, uh, for those that don't know us, is a large global distributor of electronic components, also IT solutions, um, and I sit in a part of the company called the Intelligent Solutions Business. Um, this part of Arrow focuses more on operational technology, embedded computing, um, and solutions for OEMs. My role is as technology director for the EMEA region, and that means I'm responsible for thinking a bit further out um, on behalf of our customers and partners, looking at technology trends in the market, um, and trying to anticipate where our customers need to be in the next five years, uh, which is a fun role, and, uh, and it allows me to spend time with partners such as Sensei. Fantastic, fantastic. And, and actually, just go a little bit off course, because we'll sort of go into the, the wider question about technology and manufacturing, but in terms of the industries you work with as well, that might be an interesting, I mean, maybe there's too many to list, but what the, the key industries, let's say, you, you yeah, work with? No, thank you. So uh, we're obviously here to talk about manufacturing, and that's one of our big focus areas. So the industrial market in general, which would encompass manufacturing, but also um, logistics, uh, but also oil and gas, utilities, any anywhere where there's uh, industrial compute. But we also have uh, a big focus on the retail sector. So any technology that's going into a retail environment, both in the storefront, but also behind the scenes in, uh, again, logistics. A big healthcare focus. So anything that's digital transformation in the healthcare sector. Um, and a lot of customers designing and building medical devices. Uh, and then we have education um, also the IT sector with anyone building appliances so think about us as wherever you need to build a specialized compute solution uh, that's where we play yeah so definitely diverse I think is the and broad a very very broad spectrum actually and I think I'll, I'll ask the question first because what I want to come back to afterwards is sort of learnings from those different sectors that sort of go into um, some of the technology used in manufacturing but if we start with the overarching question which is the topic of this podcast which is how is technology shaping manufacturing today maybe we can just dive into that broadly and then we'll sort of dive into sure. that as well so one of the first things that um, is worth um, touching on is that manufacturing as a sector has been using technology for uh, for generations but what's challenging about that is that for the most part that technology is very proprietary and quite closed so most of the companies building machines um, and control equipment are um, have traditionally come from um, a siloed technology point of view so there'll be companies like Siemens that you're now part of uh, and many competitors to Siemens like ABB, Schneider, Rockwell these kind of companies uh, and they've They've brought technology to control and automate equipment on the factory floor. Those technologies traditionally were not interoperable. And so manufacturers uh, and customers in that space have 
either made a decision to go entirely with one technology, or usually there's a mix. So there's a lot of legacy tech on the factory floor, um, and that creates its own challenge. And actually, so to take that point, so on the integration of systems, and particularly legacy systems, what are sort of the challenges in that in that area? What what sort of pain points were coming from that? So, first of all, there is of course um, a desire from the operations team in, in a factory environment to, to get visibility of data. Um, for the most part, that has been by going to the factory floor using an HMI panel or perhaps a network within the factory that allows you to bring data to a central place. But doing that across an estate of legacy technologies is, a, is the first challenge because all that data might be in a different format. So. The first challenge is usually getting that visibility. That means connecting all those legacy devices uh, into a, an environment that's usually an IT environment. And that creates all kinds of headaches for the, uh, for the operations team because um, A, they need to do that data translation, but B, they are concerned, of course, about um, security. Um, and as soon as you open your operations technology network up to the internet or an IT environment, that's a question that the IT team um, are wrestling with. How do we ensure that we keep this critical infrastructure operating without any uh, risk or threat? So there's, there's usually um, a hesitancy from the OT team to, uh, to allow that, and the IT team also feeling uncomfortable with exposing those devices to the internet and to the wider IT network. And, and when we talk about connected systems, because uh, there's different ways to look at it, so there's in, in a single plant, but then what we experience is in, in different plants of their own different, their own systems, their own, I mean, how, how can, I guess, it's more on a scalability issue, how can those lessons learned in one plant, or from your experience, be translated into other plants and overcome some of those because each in, in a lot of ways each plant sometimes has its own culture its, and its own systems and all that side of things so yeah so in most manufacturers or large-scale manufacturers with multiple sites um, they're on this journey so this is happening that they're, they're connecting their equipment but they're doing it in a very careful manner um, ultimately whether it's public cloud or or some sort of private data center cloud they're finding a way to get that data uh, into a central place um, so they are overcoming that challenge, but um, but it's not not trivial, and it's certainly uh, an area where we we see a lot of help needed. And then we we talk a lot about data. I mean, particularly at Sensei, because I mean, it's so critical to you know successful deployments. And I guess the key to it all is it's not into having masses and masses of, of data, but it's actually the context and the value. But so how do you, it's a general point, I guess. But how do uh, manufacturers get value from their data what what sort of best practices in that area so the the whole iot philosophy which uh, underpins this approach is first of all about getting that data but but to your point um you really it, it's the value of that data that you've got to consider it's not always necessary to send every uh, every sample of data to the cloud for example uh, it might just be metadata when there's a change in a parameter or there's uh, something that's uh, material. So quite often you'll see data being filtered and uh, analysed close to the edge and then metadata sent to the cloud. 
The next step is, to your point, is then getting meaningful insight from that data. So doing the analysis that allows you to get information that informs the business, that gives you actionable insights that allow you to take action, uh, understand trends, understand what's happening in your space. So um, getting data from the shop floor to a central place is, is a prerequisite, but it shouldn't be the be all and end all. The next challenge is to do something meaningful with it. Um, and what we see is um, the application layer that sits on top of that data set uh, is where the true value is. Uh, and that's where we're spending a lot of our time. And actually to your to your point um, before, so bring it back around to IT and OT, because I guess in order to achieve what you were describing there, those, those two need to, to work together. So I guess, first of all, for those who, who may not know, or there's different, I think we talked before about um, operational technology there's so many different definitions but maybe from your point of view what what that, those two terms mean and how they can work together or how they should work together to sort of deliver value as well yeah it's a great point i mean it, we we throw around this jargon and um, in fact there's no um, single definition of operational technology but the way i think about this and um, i think it's it's helpful is everything that's not in the it domain so that means um it's not about information for employees or for devices that we use uh, for workflow it's about the devices on the shop floor it's about critical infrastructure um, operational technology is is that which is controlling um, and collecting data at the machine um, and that includes for me um, all that plc and scada technology but also increasingly that edge compute that's happening on the shop floor um, not on the carpeted side of the factory, but but on the concrete side. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Do you want to? Because again, we talked about this before, but I like the um, the analogy you gave for difference between IT and OT. Maybe for someone like me, it, it made it it made it made sense for for a non technical person like myself. Yeah. So I think um, we, we often internally we we have heated debates about how to draw the line, um, and sometimes use the phrase ITOT to uh, to describe the the IT technology, the maybe Intel-based compute that's living on the shop floor, um, as opposed to the data center and the uh, the enterprise equipment that's in the back office uh, of any enterprise. Um, in in the end, I don't think it's it, it's important where you draw that line. But what we see is this trend to use open compute platforms um, and IT-like infrastructure at the edge to run workloads which are all about the improvement in efficiency and operation of your uh, your estate of capital equipment on the shop floor and so whether that's a small plc controller or a server on the on the shop floor that's managing a large amount of data uh, it's operational technology all about digital transformation um, in that environment Actually, on the, the IT and OT side, because I, I talk to lots of different um, customers, and, it, and it's interesting how that, that relationship between IT and operational side works. In some in some ways, uh, a company or operational people go to IT and say, we want this tool, procure this for our tool. But in other companies, it's a lot more collaborative. I mean, do you have any sort of insights on that side, Andy, that you could share mm. yeah, that I mean, relationship? Definitely not the same everywhere, but there's... No. No. There's different um, tensions there. So I, I touched already on this um, anxiety about um, risk and cyber attacks. 
Um, that's definitely a consideration. And in fact, um, for the most part, this OT hardware and technology was air-gapped from any IT infrastructure. So there was uh, islands of data that would be on your factory floor, and the only way to get to those was through an OT control environment. So making that bridge between those two worlds, we're spending uh, a good amount of time at Arrow looking at how we address the whole OT cybersecurity challenge, um, which underpins all of this. Um, but it's happening, and there are um, there are approaches that we can take to secure the environment. But what we find is there's a CIO or a CISO in the enterprise somewhere whose job it is to um, make sure that risk is minimized, to avoid any threat of, um, of a cyber attack, of course, in the enterprise, but even more important in the critical infrastructure. So that they get, it's all about availability and uptime and uh, reliability of that equipment. So overcoming those barriers uh, is as much about the C-level conversation as it is about the operations team on the floor. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and on, on that security side, I mean, I don't want to turn this into because it's very, <laughs> it's a wide, wide, um, widely debated thing in terms of cloud versus on-premise. And is there, in some respects, there is a shift to cloud, but I mean, actually, that's, a, that's more of a question rather than thinking about it. But is there a shift more towards cloud? Is cloud becoming more acceptable now um, in general? I guess it, a general question. Yeah, no, so, so cloud in its fullest extent um, is particularly necessary if you've got a multi-site situation. If you've sim simply got one factory or one premise, uh, it may be that uh, an on-prem data center is all you need. Um, but obviously the power of public cloud is the, um, is the global access to your data, the ability to, um, to really scale your business as well as you bring online more, more data, more facilities. So public cloud has a role to play. We're actually seeing the pendulum swing a little bit back to the edge, sometimes because of concerns over maybe data sovereignty or privacy issues, that can be a consideration but more often because the workload, the applications that need to manage that data are better done close to the device. Maybe it's a large amount of video data and AI that you want to, um, to manipulate and it doesn't make sense to bring all of that data to the cloud. It would be expensive. It may use bandwidth that you don't have. So, so what we see is usually a hybrid um, solution for different workloads running in, in different places. Yeah, so it's not it's not one or the other in a lot of cases. It's it's sort of using the best the benefits from both both sides to deliver that. Absolutely. Um, but um, I mean, actually, one more question. I know we talked a lot about this ITOT convergence side, but and we've talked about um, how they can work together. I guess what I want to explore is how, from what we're talking about there, is on different sites how that works across different sites and not isolated to like one one plant. Does that become more more challenging? I'd expect. Yeah, so uh, whether you, um, most projects start uh, in a small way and scale up, uh, but if from the outset you know that you want to deploy this technology, whatever it might be, mm. across your whole estate, then you're going to have a conversation about connecting that to a cloud. Um, it, many times there'll be a, an MSP or a service provider that's hosting all of your IT infrastructure um, 
either in a private data center or on, on your behalf through hyperscalers. But yes, you'll that's where you'll be working with your IT team um, to decide what your strategy is for, for cloud. Yeah, and, and actually just a follow-up question to that, in, in terms, is that becoming more of a, a, a global strategy? So for deploying technology, from your perspective, are you seeing more of a, an overarching, this is part of our global strategy for all of our plants rather than just on a plant by yes, plant by plant yes, basis? We are. And of course, this digital transformation that we're, we're all seeing is, has typically started with the largest enterprises, maybe the most uh, uh, progressive in terms of investment, and they are naturally the ones with uh, a multinational need. Yeah, absolutely. So to s shift the conversation a bit to the actual solutions and IoT solutions in particular. So, and again, this could be a rabbit hole that <laughs> we struggle to get out because there's just so much we could cover here. But from your point of view, Andy, I mean, what, what IoT solutions are having the biggest impact today? So think about where the return on investment comes from first. So one thing that we've um, we've seen, we, we talk about IoT a lot um, now and for the last 10 years probably. I think it's fair to say that there's been um, uh, a slower adoption of IoT technologies than we might have predicted five years ago. I believe one of the reasons for that is that there's been a rush sometimes to just get visibility of your data um, and then see what that data it tells you uh, and magic will happen. That's not usually the best approach. And so what we're now finding is that customers that are really getting value out of IoT are the ones that took a, a close look at what their business looked like and tried to uncover the problem statement that would then support a business case. So if you have um, the biggest cost in your business is uh, a defect quality issue, that should be the, the problem statement that then informs what you do. Or if you've had um, unplanned downtime in your facility, um, which is causing you uh, inefficiencies, that might become a priority. So those business challenges have to be the start and the foundation of any IoT project. Yeah, no, I was just gonna, I, I completely agree. I mean, from my own personal experience, what I've seen at um, events, I attend talking to a lot of um, companies and they're collecting, they are actually collecting the data, but now it's sort of in lot, lots of different places. And they're sort of like, well, what do we do with it now? I wanna like, make, you know, get some insights and, yeah. but your point is exactly correct and it's something we follow at Sensei as well in terms of it's identifying the business problem first and then apply the technology to solve that problem rather than just you know just yeah not, and so and, I couldn't agree more with that statement and I think we all enjoy technology for its own sake sometimes but um it really has to be delivering some business outcome I to your question about where um where this is having the biggest impact for us, um, we're particularly focused on um, technology that is supporting AI at the edge. Uh, we like video, um, partly because of the power of, of the things it can do. Partly, to be honest, the selfish reason is that video drives big data, uh, big compute, and we like big expensive computers. But the, 
reality is the camera has become the ultimate sensor. Um, there is so much innovation happening around video analytics that allows you to do so many things, whether it be computer vision for anomaly detection uh, for the QA type problem, or uh, the security camera type technology, which then allows you to look at a large area um, and uh, identify objects, people, uh, machines, uh, see what's happening in that space, look for uh, safety concerns, look for uh, wrongly routed packages in a logistics environment. Once you've got that camera and edge compute infrastructure, it's just a case of deploying more software applications into that environment, each one adding another piece of value. So there's so much innovation happening, the cost of hardware is coming down, the power of AI is increasing all the time, and we just see the camera as um, as the ultimate sensor. And it, and correct me if I'm wrong, so I'm just thinking about how video could also benefit the, and there's something else we talk about sensor a lot, but like remote access as well, so you don't necessarily need to be on site, so is that video side is that enabling a uh, lot more it, rubber it can do there are um there are fully autonomous environments now the dark warehouse kind of scenario mm. where um you've got automated uh, mobile robots uh, autonomous mobile robots i should say which are um being tracked and monitored with cameras so um yes you can have that remote uh, access to the to the shop floor and and also to pick up on you another key sort of theme you were talking about then so ai which is you know often do you think from your experience is it still understood what ai can do as possibilities it's um and also yeah i guess that's a good first question like is that is that misunderstood in terms of what um, it can do because it requires a, a certain level of human input obviously still yeah to make i that think sense. i mean we we found that um customers in general that are in this space have done um, some good groundwork around uh, what they might want to do. And I think artificial intelligence conjures up for the man in the street all kinds of uh, scary things. Um, but I think in this industry, people uh, understand what it does. Um, when we think about computer vision and the video analytics, uh, I think we've all seen the, um, the kind of video feed that shows when it's identifying a person, maybe the demographic of an individual. Um, that's table stakes now. That's pretty easy to do. Innovation is coming all the time and allowing new use cases. Um, and I think our role is to guide customers to the right technology. That, that means the hardware, of course, but more importantly, that middleware and application framework that allows the innovators to really leverage the the new hardware that's coming through <laughs>